0: Welcome to Common Sense Leadership Podcast with your host, Dr. L.D. Bennett. Common Sense Leadership is an influencer podcast that will make you think, laugh, and act. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to subscribe and tell a friend to also listen and subscribe. Now, let's join our host, Dr. L.D. Bennett.
1: Happy Friday, everybody, happy Friday. I am super stoked uh, to come to you today and to continue our theme for October and November. That theme is intentional purpose, intentional purpose. And our subtitle is moving towards your goals with intentional purpose, moving towards your goals with intentional purpose. And I know we're coming up on that time of year where we start to reassess where we are. Uh, Are we where we thought we would be at this time last year? Have we made progress? And then on the, uh, the Thanksgiving segment, yes, we will still have the podcast out for Thanksgiving, I have another good friend, William Wilson. And William is, uh, he's a clothier here in the Charlotte area. And I tell you, this guy has so much purpose. And when you hear his leadership journey, when you hear how he got to where he is today, receiving all sorts of awards uh, for his clothing and for the people that uh, that he dresses. I tell you, you're gonna be really impressed. Uh, he's gonna be talking about entrepreneurship and how do you bring uh, that same type of intentionality to something that you really want for yourself. And I, I know we have different uh, parts of our of our scope and different parts of our plan, even. Part of that, I'm still working on a job, but then there are others of you that are thinking, maybe at some point, I want to be an entrepreneur. Well, this conversation with Will will be very, very helpful to you. I, again, the leadership journey that he shares, I tell you, you will find a lot of strength, also a lot of encouragement and validation. Sometimes you're going through a rough patch and it's good to know that someone else has gone through this and they've come out on the other side much, much better. I'm excited about that. I do want to give you another heads up starting in December. We will shift how our, our podcast and our Vimeo page, which is that video aspect of the podcast, how it's being presented. After talking with so many people, people that I coach, uh, people that are part of a facilitation of some sort that I'm doing, uh, I'm hearing a lot from people saying, hey, LD, I I would really love to just get like a a snippet of something uh, on my way to work or or as I'm walking or as I'm doing my exercise. I really love just to hear just a snippet. And it was so validating because this was something that I was already thinking about. Moving the podcast from a 30-minute segment to a 10 to 15 minute depending upon uh what that conversation is and how deep it gets i'm looking at 10 no more than 15 minutes those segments will be called quick hits quick hits just stay tuned and you'll hear more and more about that as we approach december i'm excited guys i'm really excited and thank you so much for your participation, for telling other people about the podcast and for subscribing. I really appreciate that. This is uh, for me, this is a passion project and I love it. And it really makes me feel good when people say, Hey, I heard the podcast and it was really helpful for me. So as you, as we go forward, I want you to sit back today and listen to, that will be with my dear friend, Will Wilson, entrepreneur, clothier to the stars. And I tell you, his leadership journey is fascinating. So, intentional purpose is our theme for october and for november looking forward to hearing from you continue to email me text me and hit me up on social media thanks and enjoy the rest of your day so and he is the right person to share his journey with you and i'd like to welcome my guest today william wilson we all call him lovingly will Will, welcome
0: hey how's it going dr b thanks for having me
1: I am so glad you're here. I really am. I am I've been impressed with you and your journey and just your your laser focus on what you wanted. And so what I want you to do, this is jump right in. If you would, Will, please share your leadership journey. Take us as deep. And I know there's some things that you would like to share. You're a little humble about them, but I definitely want you to highlight some of your accomplishments because you have quite a few. So if you would share with us your leadership journey.
0: Um. Well, it kind of goes all over the place. It's, I'm, I live a life like a child. I believe simplicity is the key to happiness. So a uh, five-year-old can live my life. I just, i just believe try something. If it works, cool. If it doesn't, you know, so be it. But what's the worst that can happen? If it doesn't work, you know worse off. So I started off in the Navy. When I got out of the Navy, actually, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went right out of high school into the Navy. I graduated college and everything while I was in the Navy. I graduated high school on May 20th. On May 26th, I was in boot camp. So, did eight and a half years in the Navy, Um, sold cars for a few months, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do because I was never a civilian adult. Then I moved to North Carolina, and my first job here was managing the Waffle House as a trainee in Pineville, uh, right there on Highway 51. Did that for a while, got into construction, and I, I enjoyed construction. I enjoyed doing it. I like the idea of seeing something start, go from start to finish and then seeing people enjoy it later. Because uh, I've always been more of a doer than a sayer. Then I started my own construction company as a framing contractor. And while I was doing that, I got involved with NASCAR. So, so I, I do a lot of things simultaneously. But so I got involved with NASCAR while I was still doing construction. So for six years, I was working 37 week, 37, I mean, seven days a week, 37 weeks straight every year. So, cause I was I'd do my company from like Monday through Wednesday or Thursday depending on when we were racing. And then we'd be at the track, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then fly back and repeat, and repeat, um, repeat. So I did that for a while, I won a couple of championships and people told me I was crazy getting involved with NASCAR. Because when I was in NASCAR, like my rookie year, my second year, I was the only black guy on pit road in any of their series. I remember my first time at Talladega, they wouldn't let me in the track. The guy didn't believe I was on a team. But I did that, had some fun doing that. Like I said, at the time, I'm still running my construction company. And as I said, I had a construction company, but I was wearing, I wore a lot of suits. because I was going to a lot of meetings. So I was trying to drum up business, network, get to know people, things like that. And one day, one of the homeowners stopped me. and said, Man, Will, you ain't dressed so nice. Could you help me put my wardrobe together? And I was like, Man, I, I said, Look, I'm a Navy guy in construction. I know two things. I know how to blow up stuff and build houses. So <laughs> that was really it. And I said, No, I, I gave it a shot. He liked what I did for him. And he started sending other people to me. So I started helping them. And I started helping more people. And I started charging them for it because they were taking so much of my time that I started charging for it. And I really didn't want to do it. So in my mind, we used to have what we used to call the go away price. If you didn't want to do something, you, but the customer wanted you to do it, you'd price it so high <laughs> that they would just go away. So I love that. I said, Okay, <laughs> I'll do it. Price. <laughs> so what I did, I thought I threw a go away price out there. I said, Okay, I'll do it. It's gonna cost you two hundred dollars an hour, two hour minimum. The guy goes, Okay. I was like, Wait, did you hear what I just said? He's like, Yeah, basically four hundred dollars to come check it out. Now, remember, I'm a country boy from Arkansas. Like, you'd be, you be hard-pressed just to get us in a, in a suit, period, let alone a custom suit, let alone someone to pay you $400 to look at their closet and tell them what to go buy. So that was my first lesson in understanding your demographics. But I started helping them out. I started thinking, you know, there's, I'm telling these guys what to go get. If I can provide it, there may be a business in this. Now, again, Country Board for Arkansas, I had no idea there were companies like Tom James and other custom suit places that would come to your house. So in my mind, I was creating a whole new service category. Now I was friends with Mike Minner, Mike Rucker, Al Wallace, those guys were still playing for the Panthers at the time. So I went to them, I said, if you can have your perfect clothing situation, what would it be? And they told me, so I really kind of set William Wilson clothing up based on what they would want. And I just reverse engineered it. And they worked out, and you know, just as I was starting William Wilson Clothing, the market, the economy just crashed. It's almost like God looked out for me. It's like I got over the bridge, then the bridge collapsed, and I've been doing this ever since.
1: Well, I'm telling you something. You, this was a fascinating journey. You know, I was leaning in, but a couple of things I want you to noodle out. Go back to. Uh, that period in your career when you were working with NASCAR. And, and for so Mm -hmm. many of us, because that's really, uh, one of the first things that stood out with me was when I started, when I met you. And, and then our mutual friend that really introduced us, Mike Barber, he said, This cat is working with NASCAR. I'm like, a brother with NASCAR? Are you serious? And this was before the bubble Wallace, you know, and all of that. And Mm -hmm. and I said, I have to I have to know more. So if you would please share just a little bit more about that NASCAR experience. And I know you got a couple of rings from somewhere. Make sure you share those as well. And then once you finish that, I want to come back to just the whole Will Wilson uh, clothing piece and how that really morphed. And I want to ask you a few more questions about that. But if you would start, talk a little bit more about NASCAR and that experience.
0: Okay, well, the way it all started, um, I worked for a company called John Wayne Homes. And they were, some of the guys from work were going to qualify and like, um, all that stuff. It was a Thursday night. And they had a little ARCA race beforehand. And then they had cup qualifying. And I'm looking like, this is kind of cool. I want to get involved with this. And the guy next to me named Steve... Um, what was his name? Steve Allen. He said, Will, look around you. I looked around. The only people I saw that looked like me had event staff on their shirt. And he said, it's hard enough to get involved with NASCAR if you don't know anybody. He said, you don't know anybody and you're black. Good, good luck with that. So, but again, I'm one of those people. If, if, if I give, I'm going to give you a chance to say no. And I didn't know enough about this stuff to know what I wasn't supposed to be doing. So I just said, if I were going to do this, how would I try this? So I actually developed a whole driver training program. Now the, literally every race shop in NASCAR is in Charlotte and the surrounding areas. So I literally got in my truck and just knocking on doors, just knocking on doors, trying to meet with people. And I finally got a meeting with Samuel Navis, who's a, who's a brother. Cause I saw in the news that they're trying, they're going to start their first, their, um, a black owned NASCAR team. So I was like, well, this is why you give me my best chance cause, you know, brother to brother. And for two weeks, now I live in—I was living in Valentine at the time—and this shop was in China Grove. And for those of you who don't know, that's about an hour and fifteen minutes each way from my apartment to the shop. But I drove there every day for two weeks. And every day, I would either, either he came just as I left, or he had just left when I got there. So I finally, the stars lined up, and I finally met with him. He was finally there. We met up he told me what pretty much everyone is to tell me. I was too late, too old to start driving. I was in my 30s, by the way. And, but he let me hang around the shop and do some testing and things like that. They had some technical issues that happened, so their team didn't really get going. So I still just kept shopping stuff around. Now I was a little bit more familiar with the environment and how the culture worked with NASCAR. So I still kept just knocking and knocking and knocking on doors. And I went to a shop, and just as I was talking to the receptionist to figure out who to lead my program with, the GM of the truck team came by, and you know he, he's talking with me. We're like, oh, okay, cool. So we have a conversation. He the same thing. I'm old, but he let me hang around the shop. But in watching the shop, I started watching pit practice, and I was like, wow, this is this is pretty cool. And I decided I wanted to be a jackman. So I went home and I cleared out my living room and my closet, and I had my I taped off a pit box. for those of you who don't know a pit box if you're watching nascar race when they come in and they change all the tires and all that stuff that's a pit stop in the area that they're in where the car stops that's called a pit box so i i I taped off a pit box i had my guys build a two-foot wall and i bought a 45 pound weight at the time I jacked for 35 pounds so i bought a 45 pound weight and i practiced jumping off the wall in my steps based on what i'd seen at practice And then when the guys are going for go back in to go to work, I would take one of the jacks, and I would practice setting the jack, jacking the car up, dropping the jack, running around the side, all by myself. And I did that for almost a year, and no one had any idea I was doing it. So the next season, they were getting ready for start pit practices, and everything, the season getting ready to get started, and the jack man's his back was kind of sore. They didn't want to take a chance tweaking it, you know, just to practice. So, um, they were going to cancel practice. So, I begged the cruise chief said, Dennis, let me give, give me one shot. Let me give you one shot. Let me just see how to can do this. He's like, man, Will, you're going to mess around. You're going to hurt yourself. And you're going to sue us. So, I had to sign all this paperwork. You know how to leave. Right? You know how legalese work. <laughs> right. Yes. So, so, I had to sign all these waivers and stuff. If I broke my back, it's on me kind of deal. And so, we did it. And the stop was only like four one hundredths of a second slower than the stops they'd been doing. So the crew chief looks at me like, what just happened here? So we do it again. And by the time we finish, our last three stops were the three fastest stops they'd had the last two seasons. But what they didn't know is for a year, I was practicing with not expectation, but anticipation. Because I didn't expect them to give me a shot. But if I did get a chance, I wanted to be prepared. So, and that that made me the backup guy. So now I'm traveling with the team, and I'm sleeping on rollaway beds, I'm fold out beds, <laughs> where I can fit because they don't put the whole the whole logistics schedule together for the year. They hadn't planned on me being there, so it worked, and we're at a race. I got in for my first race, never got off pit road, and people told me I was crazy, but two years later, I won my first championship, and we only went a couple more after that so they can call me crazy all they want to but for the rest of my life i'm going to
1: ask i tell you man and you know you said several things and i was i was taking copious notes uh you talked about something in in your leadership journey around nascar you talked about perseverance you kept going Mm -hmm. you knew what you wanted you did your homework uh you looked at Mm -hmm. you you assessed you know the you looked at the real estate piece okay you moved on from there you did the construction thing You never, although you have that childlike uh, anticipation and curiosity, which I think anybody that's asking, anybody that wants to grow and do something different, you have to be curious. And so you talked about that perseverance all through your story. I kept hearing perseverance. I kept going, I kept going. But then you kept asking too you kept going around Mm -hmm. knocking on doors and a lot of people can't ask because they they let their pride or their ego get in the way you never Mm stop you say okay i'm laser focused on this so the asking was there you kept knocking on doors you talked about how you're missing the guy uh he missed you you missed him but you stayed focused you kept kept asking Mm -hmm. the other I I liked about what you said, not only about NASCAR, Will, but also what you said about some of the other things that you've tried in your your career is you talked about how you learned the business. You, You didn't just jump out and say, oh, that looks good. I think I'll do it. No, you learned the business. You understood NASCAR and you did all the things that you needed to do. And sometimes when we're looking to ask, we don't really invest enough in the prep time, which is really what you did. You know, you persevered, you asked, you learned the business, uh, you learned the culture too. Because it's one thing to know how to, to be a jack guy but it's yet another thing altogether to understand the culture. And I'm not necessarily talking about uh, the fact that you were in a different environment, but you understood the culture. You went in knowing that, hey, I'm looking around and I don't see many people that look like me, but hey, I could be the first. You never allowed your understanding of the culture to deter you. And the other thing you talked about too, which I like, you you talked about seizing opportunities. The other guy's back was kind of tweaked. Hey, give me a shot. You know what, what's the saying? Put me in, coach. Put me in, and and you did exactly. that, and you were you prepared. I love the preparation that you talked about. So we'll talk talk to us. I love 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 the story about NASCAR. Now talk about uh, William Wilson clothing just a little bit more, and how how did you start the business when you're? I don't know about the industry, but I don't see many African American men in the custom clothing business. And you do something um, with NASCAR but, through your custom clothing. Is that not right?
0: Yeah, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the official clothier for the Speedway Club. So I make the, the Champions Jackets for the Coke 600, the All-Star Race, wow. and the Roval 400. But I actually developed that program. They didn't have a program for when I joined the Speedway Club. I asked my, my account rep at the time, his name was Nathan Kroom. And I said, hey, who does the Champions Jackets for the races here? He's like, what do you mean? I said, you know, like, like the green jacket for the Masters or whatever. He said, I don't think we've ever had one of those. So I put together a program, developed it, took it to his bosses. They said, we'll try it out at the May race. Well, actually, the, the, yeah, the May race in 2011. And we'll try it out, see how it works. And I took on all the expense because it you was know, a prototype. I figured the best way to get my foot in the door was give them something they didn't have to spend any money on, but I, had, I could benefit from. So we tried to program and it was, it worked out great. You know, Marcus loved it. Who was the CEO of the Speedway, actually the CEO of Speedway Motorsports. that They own eight NASCAR tracks, including Charlotte, but he loved it. And then I did the all-star race, which was the next week. And I was trying to figure out a way. I'm like, okay, I've got these two. I'm going to try to figure out how do I talk my way into doing the October race too? That's what, that, that whole week was on my mind. So after we did the All-Star race before I walked off the stage, Marcus says, well, guess we'll see you in October. <laughs> so I've already gotten that gig because he just loved the program. And I've been doing it since 2011. I'm the only person who's ever done it. And I have, I, have the, I can do it as long as I want to until I get tired of doing it. I've already been given wow. the clearance by the top guy. So that's how that worked out. As far as William Wilson clothing, like I said, the guy asked me the question about helping with his wardrobe, so I started doing that. I've never taken a design class, I've never taken a fashion mm-hmm. class, and the wow. only clothing I ever sold was William Wilson clothing. Um, but I understand industries may be different, but at the end of the day, all industries have one thing in common: you're dealing with people. 14 months later, Calvin Richardson hit me up; we had become friends, and he told me what he wanted me to do: a suit for the Grammys. Mm-hmm. I did it and he got best dressed on the red carpet. Oh wow. I was like, oh okay, maybe I do belong here. <laughs> and then it just kept going. But Al Wallace, who was the defensive man for the Panthers, was my first celebrity client. And Al's six five, two hundred and eighty pounds. Like he's just a full grown man. <laughs> but I was actually in that Panera bread where you saw me yes. and he, he started to walk in, we just started talking. I told him I was starting a clothing company. He said, well, I need a couple of sport coats. So he gave me a chance to make a couple of sport coats. And I've been making his clothes ever since. And I had to do a Mike Minner and Mike Rucker and Chris Harris. I did his suit for his wedding and Essence.com covered that. And it just, and it worked with DL Hughley and George Lopez and Andy Griffin. So it's really weird because you 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 said, I do all these celebrities, this, this, and regular people. The funny thing is the regular people are my target demographic.
1: Oh, I love celebrities it. I love
0: that never be my target demographic. Mm-hmm. Because I tell people all the time, I would rather work with the guy who works at Bank of America Corporate Center than the guy who plays at Bank of America Stadium. Mm-hmm. Because the guy at Bank of America Corporate Center wears a suit every day.
1: Right. The guy right. at Bank
0: America Stadium, 90% of the time, he's either in a uniform or he's in sweats workout. And so are so are his peers. The Bank of America Corporate Center guy, he's in suits and his peers are in suits. Well, she's in suits, and her pants are in suits. So it's about numbers. The average NFL career is three, three and a half years. I mean, I theoretically have to turn over a new customer every three and a half years. I want thirty-year clients.
1: Right, right.
0: And my, my, and my, my goal has always been the same thing since the day I started. I want to sell two suits and go home. That's <laughs> two it. Suits and go home. <laughs>
1: Okay. Hey, um, I'm gonna ask you two more things, but then I want you to talk about build over grind. That's a new thing that you're doing. Talk about that a little bit. Okay.
0: Well, build over grind is a, a mindset that I have. I think the most ridiculous thing people say they're talking about they're on the grind and they're grinding and all this stuff. You know, I, I live my life by a certain number of biblical principles. It wasn't it's turned out to be that way, it's just you know the Bible says, you know, train up a child in the way he should go. And I guess it's just it is true to be true. You know, I believe in asking the Bible says you have not because you ask not. I believe in learning because it says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So I believe in learning. So built and also the Bible also says life and death in the power of the tongue. So when you think about the definition of grinding, grinding is the laborious act of taking two hard surfaces and rubbing them together. You can grind all day and you only produce two things heat and dust. That's it. You can grind all day and get this big, huge pile of dust, but the first strong wind comes through is going to blow all your work away that you've worked for naught. Whereas if you build, you can take just one single brick and set that brick down. As long as you keep setting that one brick after brick after brick after brick, you set that, eventually you got a wall. If you keep going, you got another wall. Another. Now you have a room. So now that wind blows, you have protection. If you keep doing it, You'll have more rooms and more rooms. Eventually, you have a home. Now you can have protection here. You can work your business here. But you're building something that not only protects you, but protect the people you care about, that you love, or the people that you want to help. So I believe in building over grinding. Because think about it. This is normal nomenclature. You don't build, you don't grind wealth. You don't grind an empire. You don't grind a fortune. You don't grind a brand. You build wealth. You build an empire. You build a fortune. You build a brand. How do you build something by grinding? By definition, those things are oxymoronic and make no sense when you look at them both compared to each other. They they literally work against each other. And then if you look at from a psychological standpoint of it, if you tell someone, "We do," I'm grinding it out. Subconsciously, you're already telling yourself you're in a battle. You can't. I don't care how good of a fighter you are. No one can fight twenty four seven, three sixty five.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. But if, Absolutely. But if you say you're building
0: something, if I'm building a house, you may come by the first day and all we've done is clear out the land. You come back a week later, I've got a foundation. You come back three weeks later, now you're starting to see some the floorboards. You start seeing some walls. You see progress. You don't see a, uh, two houses, you, you don't grind two houses together to build a house. You build step by step by step by step. So now you've got milestones and markers that you can achieve to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Grinding is the exact opposite. Grinding by definition is the wearing away of something, not the building up of something. So I believe in build over grind.
1: So Will, that was fascinating. Your leadership journey was simply fascinating. And so many lessons in there. Give us a call to action for individuals.
0: Uh, the first thing I would do is ask them, I'd ask them why. You know, because the other reality of it is, you know, this, not everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur. You know, entrepreneurs have built this this ecosystem that they, they almost belittle employees. It's like if you're not an entrepreneur, you're less than. And that's insane. Not everyone needs to be an entrepreneur. One thing, if everyone's an entrepreneur, who's doing the work? So that, that idea in and of itself is, is counterproductive. But people need to know why they want to be an entrepreneur and make sure they understand what's involved with it. Because if you're making say you're making fifty thousand dollars a year and you're living the life you want to live, you can see your kids play T ball or do their dance recitals and you're really happy, and you don't let me who am I to tell someone else that, hey, you should be more than this. You no, know, and as entrepreneurs, we walk around, I wouldn't trade my I'm not gonna trade my time for money and all these other things that sound great on bumper stickers, but in reality, just don't work. And it's really incorrect and it's misleading. So the first thing I do is ask them, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? And then I talk to them about what entrepreneur life is, life is like, even when you're successful. Because as Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true. Make sure you're doing something because you want to do it, not because you're trying to appeal to other people. Because if you're trying to appeal to other people, you will never please them. If you make a million, first thing you will do is tell you, now you gotta make two. You make two, how do you make five? They're gonna always move the goalpost on you. So make sure whatever you're doing, you're do- you know why you're doing it. And then I'll tell them, set your own goal for what you think success is. People get into entrepreneurship, the first thing they, they say is, I wanna make a million dollars. 86% of entrepreneurs make less than $100,000. Entrepreneurs and small businesses make less than $100,000 a year. So the idea of you making a million is really more of a stretch than they think it is. So you got to set their idea of reasonable expectations in the life that they want to live. When I talk to people say, I have to make a million dollars, that's $3,000 a day. I don't know about you, but I will never have to spend $3,000 a day to live my life that way. Mm-hmm. But no, so once they've got those things developed, I tell them basically four things. One, learn the rules for yourself. That way you know, and this is whether you're gonna be an entrepreneur or an employee. Because I'm when people tell me, you know, I don't I can't take being boss or whatever, I think bad employees make horrible entrepreneur entrepreneurs. Because the <laughs> things that point. make you a bad employee, because <laughs> people with bad employees, they tend to be they lack discipline, they lack credibility, they lack accountability, they don't, they don't follow instruction and they do what they want to do. If you try that entrepreneurship, you will be back in an unemployment line before you know. Mm-hmm. You know, once all the brevarity and the boastings done, you got to get down and have the humility to understand more people are going to tell you no than tell you yes. Second, you know, make sure you have a relationship with God or whomever you serve. Because there's going to be some times where it's, it's just you and them. It's just you and God, you and Allah, you and Confucius. Well, whoever you serve it's going to just be you. You're not gonna have a whole group of people support you. Most people are gonna look at you and think you're crazy. So you need to have a relationship with God to help get you through those times where it gets really tough. Because entrepreneurship is a difficult, tough, lonely, sad, heartbreaking, wonderful, beautiful, amazing career.
1: Amen, you're right.
0: You know, then I would tell them to not focus on color. A lot of us, especially in our community, we think, oh, well, we'll just work with our people. If I'm just now, and I started in 2008, so what, 13 years, November 13 years? I'm just now starting to have a decent number of black non-athlete clients in the city I live in. And tons of people know, in this, in this industry, in this business know what I do. I tell people a lot of times, I have, I have black fans and white customers. Okay, and the important thing I would say is broke people give broke advice. Now, when I say that, I don't mean broken from a fiduciary standpoint or monetary standpoint. I mean broken mentally because a broken thought only creates broken words. and Broken words turn into broken advice. It's always the, the people with a broken, defeated mindset that will tell you why you can't do something or why something won't work. They'll tell you you're too short, you're too old, you don't have enough resources, don't have enough connections, whatever the case may be. And they don't know. It's always people who don't know how to do what you want to do. that tell you that you can't do it. I I've ex- excelled in three different industries with no experience that I shouldn't have ex- experienced and been, had any kind of success in. Because like I joined the Navy, I couldn't swim the length of my body, but I ended up with a Hall of Fame career. So I got a ring for that. Then I ended up in NASCAR, didn't know anybody. No one looked like me. No one I could relate to, connect with. I would see Bill Luster. He was racing the truck series. I see him sometimes. But for the most part, I, I never saw anyone that looked like me but I ended up with you know, multiple championships in that. And then I got involved in the fashion industry. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got involved in the fashion industry with no connections, no resources, no education, no credibility, nothing. At a time we were losing in the middle of a recession, the worst recession of our lifetime, we were about major business in Charlotte leaving, yet I end up winning best custom clothier nine times, best men's suit four times, best men's boutique, a fashion icon award. And I've seen my suits on television, on national television every day for the last six years. None of those things should have worked. And if I listened to the people who told me, the naysayers with the broken minds, the broken people or broke people, I wouldn't have done any of those things. I'd be I'll be working somewhere now. I could have been homeless. And who knows what could have happened if I had listened to other people. So I tell people those four things. Those are the four things I really focus on more than anything else. of course, there's ancillaries. But we'd be here all day going through those.
1: I know. You know what? You know what? Will, this has been a tremendous learning experience for my audience. And also for me, there are several things you talked about. I was not aware of, and I am so very, very proud of you. I know your mom, your family's proud of you, but I'm proud of you. I'm glad to have met you when I did. And just to know a young black man that has started so many things and has been so successful. So thank you for coming on. Hey guys, uh, William Wilson clothing, his website will be on our website. So go in, dress up. Visit a brother and uh, let's support William Wilson. Will, thank you so, so much for being on today and for sharing your leadership journey.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. B. I appreciate you having me. Anytime you want me, just shoot me a text and I'll be here.
1: I love you, man. I appreciate you. Everybody have a great Friday. Thank you. William Wilson clothing. Check them out. Bye, Bye, Will.
0: Thank you for joining Common Sense Leadership Podcast with your host, Dr. L.D. Bennett. Visit our website commonsenseleadership.org for more details. See you next week.